In the old days of movie making, filmmakers ventured into the shoot armed with just a script. Or if you were lucky, maybe also a storyboard. Many of the technical, practical and artistic decisions were made at the set, with an entire crew anxiously waiting for the director and DOP to make all choices of what lenses to use, how to plan the lighting of the set, where the actors and extras should stand, and sometimes even if that huge Roman palace made of styrofoam had to be moved three meters to the right to avoid casting shadows on the throne where that very expensive star would do his monologue. That star who, while all this was happening, sat idle drinking bourbon in his trailer, building up an aggression against that demanding director and those irritating shadows of those huge Roman sets made of styrofoam. In the wings of the set you could spot the producer nervously looking at his watch, fearing yet another expensive studio day would produce nothing more than few seconds of useful footage. Some filmmakers still work like this. Maybe because they are used to work like that, or maybe because they actually enjoy that tension, that pressure and that feeling of living on the edge. I bet their producers and crews don't agree. I bet they would prefer if the director and DOP arrived more prepared to the set. Nowadays you can be so much more prepared than that imaginary blood and sand set I just described. These days, you can actually make all those decisions before you even start to build that Roman set, before you put up a single lamp, yes, before you even open the door to that expensive studio. Because nowadays, you can see all of that before you even touch a camera. You can make the film before you shoot it, in a way. It's called pre-visualizations or previses, and in the world of VFX, it's one of the most important tools a filmmaker can use. So follow me down Yellow Brick Road and learn more about pre-visualizations. Hi everybody, I'm Nils Lagerien and yes, this is Yellow Brick Road, your cozy little podcast about the world of visual effects, animation and digital mastery. And today we're going to talk about pre-visualizations. Pre-visualizations, well, what is that, you may think? But don't worry, I have two experts here that can explain everything about it. Executive producer and mocap guru Anton Söderhell and director Fred Löberg. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to have you back here. Uh, Anton. Let's start with a small question. What exactly is a pre-visualization? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's starting with a tiny question, yeah. Um, well, I would say like at its core, it's a communication tool. The, the modern uh, previs is a method of visually exploring the creative ideas in a collaborative process. You might want to flesh out the production plans, maybe like start discussing and understanding the financial impacts of each creative decision you're making, um, planning on what time of the day you want to shoot, uh, maybe which streets you need to shut off to make sure you don't have any random pedestrians walking into the shot. Mm. You can involve the set dresser, uh, making sure you, you're fully aware of how much you need to build or create, um, where to place the green screens, if you need any set extensions um, and, uh, well, closely connected to our day-to-day -day business, like what VFX will be needed. I think we all are fairly aware of 
uh, how random it can be sometimes when we receive the actual live action footage from a from a client and we might not have more than like an email describing oh yeah add some uh, <laughs> action <laughs> add, some <laughs> yeah, add some action, action. <laughs> add some smoke here and make it look beautiful so yeah like the timing of the camera movements is another really important thing you want to do with the the previouses maybe you want to start even framing the action um where to place lights i mean the possibilities are basically endless but, but, on how you can utilize it but what, what's the difference from a storyboard or, or a board matting well this is this is where everyone has their argument oh I just need my storyboard and I can do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that is true uh, to some extent. If you if you're a director, it's your project, you know what you're doing. You the have story, it in your the head. storyboard yeah. is going to be everything you need. But uh, previouses are are utilized when you need to communicate it throughout the whole team. Maybe you're a gaffer and you just come in for the actual shoot and to fully understand that director's vision that he or she has been working on for years. And to get in on it like day one, mm. it's it's quite hard from just a, a black and white storyboard or even a colored storyboard. Uh, so getting that kind of overall idea on on how to do it. As you said, a communications tool, basically to transfer the vision of the director or the DOP yeah. for people who don't understand <laughs> it otherwise. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, you know how it is these days as well. Like it's uh, usually when you hit production, it's going to be super stressful. Uh, mm. The budgets are tight. You might only have the stars booked for uh, a certain amount of shoot days and their schedule is like, yeah, next slot is in three years time. <laughs> so you yeah. need to make sure everyone is on board on on what you're doing. Of course, you can have a tedious like pre-production phase where you bring people on board on on the actual shoot crew earlier on and kind of explain it and walk mm-hmm. through the set. But if you have a um, a thorough previous done, you can already at that stage uh, start making these um, creative decisions. Where do we want to place the lights? And then we know that, so we go to shoot with a floor plan. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows. Okay, this is how how long my cable needs to be just to reach exactly what we want to create and I think there's to some extent also um, a bit of a a scary idea that you plan everything out there might be creatives that want to work a bit more um, freely so to speak on shoot but that's that's where I disagree with that like I think creating a a thorough previous gives you more freedom on the shoot because you already have a tight budget you have a plan so you know when we have this plan done then we can start like changing things up a bit if we have time over and doing a, a previous should allow you to have that extra bit of trying out stuff and and there are different kinds of previouses yeah um the the material you'll be looking at looks basically the same so mm. to to the untrained eye or to the public it might all look fairly similar mm. but if we take uh, pitchvis for example um, kind of gives it away in the name <laughs> but uh, like, could it be for pitches <laughs> yes um, the main goal there is is to sell the idea uh, mm. it could be um uh, you wanting to sell an idea to a, a client in a commercial production. Yeah, we have this, uh, what if this car would transform into a robot? You got 
And then it's like, yeah, what does it have to do with the brand? Yeah, but look at this previous. How mm. cool is it? It's like, all right, we're going to sell more cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, or in a, in a long format feature production, it could be about selling a complex uh, sequence. Uh, say that traditionally, if you want to do like a... A, a battle of two armies. You need a lot of extras on set. It's going to be, you might want to have helicopters and complex crane shots and all of that. But if you do a previous or a pitch vis of this, you might be able to lock down the timing and exactly how many, many extras it will be and maybe cutting down the shoot days from several to just a few. And that way being able to kind of find that money within the production or... Yeah, pitching it to the studio head or whoever's on, on top of that pile of cash. What did he promise you? A share of the treasure? Before we, we go into detail how, how it's done, like, like step by step, uh, what's the origin of, of, of the methodology? Uh, how, for how long have they been around? Yeah, I think this this kind of uh, falls back on the, the initial things we were saying like storyboards, boardematics, we we have a lot of different tools to to communicate the mm-hmm. ideas inside our creative uh, heads. So some might say like even in the the 20s we started doing storyboards and Disney with their uh, animated movies they they were doing all these uh, rough ideas. But then like through the years it's been uh, growing more and more and I think what can kind of be seen as a bit more of the the modern uh, birth of previous was the first uh, Star Wars movies. In the 70s? In the 70s, yeah, middle of the 70s. Um, They built some of the sets on a miniature scale and played with cameras around like the table edges so they could already there plan out like the timing of the chase sequence on the, the moon, for example, or... Spaceships coming in. I mean, the whole production for that movie used a, a lot of miniatures uh, going forward as well. But even on a on a planning stage, they used that. And and nowadays, you you can do that same thing, but digitally. Yeah, so. um, and I think that's uh, like. So we talked a bit about pitch vis, uh, tech vis, for example, is is more for the actual shooting. Uh, you might have your second unit or your action unit with your special effects team. You might want to have explosions and like planning that stuff out is is also super complex and maybe not something that the director has too much to say about. Like you, as a director, you might you know what you want, mm. <laughs> but. On a technical detail, like how much uh, explosives do we need to create this shot I'm trying to get? Yeah. That that might not be your like area of expertise, <laughs> 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 or you just want to blow your fingers off. Um, so yeah, if you have a tech vis, then uh, mm. you might be able to extract, or you should be able to extract those uh, like diagrams you need on the. Yeah. I'm I'm obviously not an explosives guy. <laughs> Um, But for a stunt team, it could also be uh, like, oh, yeah, we're going to need wires and uh, all these uh, rigs we need Mm. to create. And you you can walk away from the techies with a detailed list. And for uh, for the VFX world, I think post-vis is probably what's the most interesting. And you could probably have done that in the mid-70s as well with Mm. some uh, rudimentary, maybe 
2D paintings and and uh, having your friend next to you on the table move that into frame when mm. you're when you're doing it, but doing it um, with digital assets as as we might be doing today um, gives you the ability to take the the previous uh, or post vis assets and uh, do a rough comp into mm. the the shot frame. Mm-hmm. So say like. Uh, Describing the full workflow, then you would create a previous before you go out and shoot. Uh, you would shoot your stuff, and then when you go back and are about to move into post, you would extract those those digital assets you used and comp them in in the shots you need them. Um, it might not be the final assets, but it will be in the right position, and it will give the director and the DOP and cinematographer editor everyone will have the idea of where the the fancy shenanigans we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis will happen. Yeah. I mean, I'm already pregnant, so what other kind of shenanigans can I get into? I should I should probably bounce. Fred, uh, uh, you've been directing numerous uh, full CG cinematics. Yes. Uh, how do you work with, with previouses when you do those? Well, it's uh, a lot like uh, Anton explained but we we use up the previous as a as a tool for us to explore how the cinematic is going to play out that's uh, you know we we touch everything of uh, like the tempo of the edit um the the dynamic of the trailer uh, what type of camera language we want and uh, like also going through uh, the choreography and action and seeing like what works and what doesn't work uh, and it's a really powerful tool to have um we're lucky we have our own mocap stage we're going to go into that a little bit later i think but but it's so good because we 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 have our script and we developed storyboards and we can present that to our to our client and dis- discuss through it and from that know that we need to develop some certain areas of like okay this is the type of action we need or this is you know this is the mood mm. we want and so forth and we can take that with us and when so we we go to the studio and basically do a a, a rough uh, mocap shoot yeah. uh, without the principal actors so we can just go through the pacing and really uh, explore uh, for me like from from my perspective uh, in the production, I just want an, an overview of the entire movie and really flesh out the action sequences uh, because that's uh, always most important and it's always something you uh, you're working with the stunt team and you have a choreography and 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 you do it uh, in the mocap stage uh, and then when you get the material and you start editing it, that's really when you feel that okay, the the choreography really doesn't work. We need mm. to. To have a, a new shot, we need uh, this has to happen. This was too slow, and this was boring, and mm-hmm. and and so on. So then we can yeah, we can bring that with us, and we can also you know present it to the client, and they understand that okay, this this doesn't really work this scenario, so we have to re- rework it. Um, and it's a, it's a really fun process. So uh, so it's like you're you're able of playing around on set without. Playing around with a plan, of course. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. we we know what we yeah, want. You, you you first start obviously. Let, let's walk through uh, uh, the process of creating a cinematic. You, yeah. You first have a script. Yes. Uh, and then you do uh, do still a, a story storyboards yeah. and edit together a boardomatic. So yeah. we so sort of get a, a a flow and a pacing. Mm. Uh, and you know, and and the difficult thing of that uh, is you know. We, 
it's still images that you're editing, so it's like really hard to get the uh, a correct feeling of uh, how the actual film is going to play out. Yeah. Uh, of course, if you have a more detailed uh, storyboard with layers that, that you can animate the layers, you you know get a small step closer. But it's mm-hmm. still you know it's still very far from how it'll actually translate. Um, if you want a close up of a character. Uh, you know, just pondering after something has happened mm. uh, in a storyboard that doesn't really read well. But if no. you if you work with that in previous, even if you don't have the principal actor, you can still uh, do that shot and and have the camera language, so it's a lot easier to read. Because if me as a director, if I want it as a long shot in a storyboard, everything over two seconds is like, oh my god, it's so long. It's just this is so tedious. Mm. And then you move into uh, a 3D world, uh, and you get the depth and and uh, and the camera language and and uh, the possibilities of uh, like editing more dynamically. It just brings a whole new level to mm-hmm. what you're looking at. You know, you only get so far with the storyboard. No. And for us, you know, working with the cinematic, uh, there are thousands and thousands of questions mm-hmm. from every artist in all departments. And a storyboard doesn't tell you; it tells you like five percent of what you need to know. But but but, but the boardmatic uh, and the storyboard obviously also helps you to put up a list of all the things you need in in the previous. If you're doing a mocap previous, like, like well, what yeah, assets it, you need. And... Well, it, no, it it, it, it <laughs> I don't. Well, it, if you if you have time, do super 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 detailed storyboards. Yes. Mm. But uh, we always have to do uh, a um, a floor plan and and sit and figure out. So it's usually like me and uh, and Gustav uh, um, that's uh, usually art director on our projects. Gustav Holmstein. Gustav yeah. Holmstein. So we always uh, sit down and then with after we have a storyboard, we we try to figure out okay, what's the the initial floor plan going to be like? Because we have to know how the actors are going to move. In the environment and what props are they going to interact with? Mm. So we always have to do a floor plan, and it's always back and forth a little bit. So we draw a little floor plan, and then a 3D modeler, you know, usually blocks it up, and they're like, mm, "It doesn't really work. The distances feel too short. We have to expand it, or we have to contract it, or or whatever." And so we work with that for a little while until we 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 feel that we're ready to jump into uh, the mocap stage. Mm. And I think that's also like a process that can continue on the mocap stage, of course, depending on the timeline and the scope of the, the project. But being there with uh, with previous actors or a stunt team, or um, then you actually have the possibility to to discuss with them and like bring them in. Like, yeah, we are not fully uh, aware of what mm-hmm. we're going to do. That's why we're here today and waste time, so to speak, with actors on set. But maybe it's like changing the the layout of the environment. Yeah. You might have someone by the... Um, so dur- during the mocap shoot, we have the real time up and running, like the, the rough 3D sketch, basically, mm-hmm. of what we're mm-hmm. shooting. And uh, maybe you want to uh, even there start like or continue... Um, moving things around mm-hmm. in the environment or even with the the mocap volume the space we can shoot in maybe mm-hmm. you want to place that differently in the the 3D environment because you need extra space for a run up or things like that and then when you have that locked in that's when you can bring in the 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 star 
after. Yeah. That's yeah. usually, yeah, maybe you only have like one or two shoot days with them and you need to make sure you utilize that, yeah. that time. Uh, but that's the same uh, as if you prepare for a live shoot using previous and then you only have the big star for two yeah. days. Yeah, exactly. The one sitting in the trailer drinking bourbon. Yeah. Yeah. You're Norma Desmond. Used to be in silent pictures, used to be big. I am big. It's the pictures that got small. So then after the previous, you have something that you can show the client and, and they can say this and that. Yeah, cause, cause he, yeah exactly. Because even at that stage, we can start to discuss uh, the camera language and the lighting and, uh, and the editing. And it's, it's a very healthy process from uh, like us together with the client a really nice collaboration because it's always like okay like oh we don't really like this edit this doesn't flow well and some of the feedback is uh, easy for us to you know go in and, and tweak and, uh, and and edit and maybe have to do some positioning changes mm. where the characters are um, but if there are like if there's larger feedback considering like the previous performance you know mm. that's then we just bring that with us to the actual shoot so we know that okay that character shouldn't do that uh, uh, he or she should uh, do this instead because that's more what the character would do and also it, it plays better in the whole scenario. Yeah. And, and obviously uh, uh, the, the camera work is part of this. You have a digital camera, you choose all of and you can also play around with lenses and stuff like that. And like to yeah, exactly. All of it. Uh, can you use any of those uh, mocap data that you do do in, through the previous process in the actual production. Yeah, right? you can use a lot of it. Uh, usually for us, we only use um, like background characters mm. because um, all the principal shots we we want, of course, like with the the real actors that are casted for the role. And then if we've captured a, a nice, really nice action sequence, a stunt sequence, sometimes you can use it like off the bat. But once you get the performance in there from the real actors, you you really want to do a, a new stunt performance so mm. it translates better, so it matches their performance better. Uh, if you wanted, you could use a lot of it, but um, you wouldn't get the subtleties. And of course, we don't have uh, our uh, head-mounted camera, so we can't do any, we don't do any performance capture on the previous shoot. No. So we don't do any facial animation capture or anything like that. And from a mocap te- technical perspective as well, like the the previous data uh, we provide that might be like a raw recording from the from the day of shooting so you can basically walk away from set with something you can start editing but uh, we store all that source data as well so should like fred make a decision later on in the process like oh actually we can use those shots for the final then we'll go through the whole uh, post process with that mo- that specific mocap data as well so that's that's another way of both keeping like iteration process and those like the timing of those uh, much shorter, like working within a lower risk scenario, um, and also cutting costs. Yeah, I mean, in, in general, if you compare, say, any of, of your recent cinematics, uh, the final cinematic with the previous you did, how much do they differ? Um, they're probably like eighty percent there. Mm. Uh, sometimes 90, 95%. 95 is a stretch. Uh, but <laughs> but, nine, but, but um, they, I mean, I, as like how the, the movie will read. When we have a, a previous approved 
by a client and like and of course by ourselves a lock previous it is very similar to the the final result mm. uh, if you look at them back to back and i think from a producer perspective that's also super strong to have that previous getting sign off from uh, from a client this is the movie we're creating before you start like uh, really uh, um, uppressing everything and mm. getting like the the f- full end uh, renders in place because that's when it starts costing and then also it's again like the communication tool because you can talk to the client look now you're asking for a cut that's not in the previous this mm. is additional work that we might not have bidded on or and then uh, it might not be about getting more money but it might be okay if you want to add that shot in then maybe we'll have to uh, remove these shots uh, to like move the the budget we have approved for a certain project yeah yeah or simplify some shots like if we do those shots easier if we remove the explosion in the background of that shot that really isn't that that necessary for the story it's a cool effect but you know mm. so, okay let's remove that and put the money there instead and, yeah. and internally it, it, it like it is super healthy for for us to to walk through it mm. um, and um Because it's always like when I do my first edit, it's uh, the first thing is always from uh, the CG supervisor and producers. Like, yeah, yeah, how can we find a way to, you know, to to trend this down? And and it it is so powerful. I mean, every director and producer in the entire world has a budget. It doesn't matter, like, if it's a huge IP, it's still a budget. Mm. And even if it's a large budget, that means that the project is just larger. So it's like you don't have more money in relation to the project because like everything is linked to each other more budget is more shots longer movie more complex shots mm. and, and so on yeah. yeah and i think that's like a, a really important thing also with previous instead of a scenario where you have strong sides you have a director that's only pushing for the creative and a mm. producer that's only pushing for the financial side of things like with the previous you can actually bring those together and talk and collaborate. Uh, around the, yeah. the previous yeah but but this is going to break our budget or uh, the opposite like yeah. well this would allow us to have some more budget mm-hmm. left maybe mm-hmm. you want to add the shot or add an effect mm-hmm. or, uh, i think that's that's the the main link uh, it's it's kind of bringing the whole team together in a in a nicer way mm-hmm. uh, So, so it's obviously very practical when you do full CG productions, like a cinematic or something. But but what if you just want to prepare for a VFX shoot? Uh, how does that work? Let, let's say that we are shooting that Roman epic that mm-hmm. I described in the intro of this episode. How how could a previous have helped that director and DOP? Well, it, it, they are basically the same in mm-hmm. that respect. So the director would be like me. I'd be like, okay, I want I want this to be in a Roman city. Mm. Or like, I want it to be in ancient Rome, mm. and there's going to be fighting take place, and it's going to be cool, and Julius Caesar is going to be over there, and this and that. And the first question is going to be like from like the CG, CG supervisor. Okay, do we see in the entire Rome? Like, do we have a huge wide shot? Do we see everything? Like, no, uh, no, no, not really. You know, we're gonna, it's, you know, it's a semi wide shot. We're just going to see a little bit of this area. Like, okay, what do we? We see the Colosseum. Do we travel through it? Are we inside the Colosseum? Like all those questions, even though you can have them like sort of fleshed out in the storyboard, you know, it doesn't really translate at the the same scope. Mm. Uh, And then you you would probably then decide like, okay, these are the buildings we need. You start doing a a very quick and dirty uh, model pass. Um, So you have the 3D models and then you you would start playing around and 
really exploring. Oh, sh- yeah, we might actually need that part of the the city yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, and at this stage, it could even just be uh, rudimentary uh, 3D shapes. You yeah. don't like Colosseum. It could just be an oval uh, block. Mm. Uh, and let's say we have uh, an actual location for the shot, a place. Uh, not in Rome, but in Romania, for mm-hmm. example. That, and, and we know that the, we're planning that we're building at least the street that they're standing on, uh, but it's outside. Uh, is it so that you can also start planning like how, how the sun will be? And yeah, light? definitely. And also planning for like, so we know that, okay, th- these are the shots we want and this is, um, and this is how it's going to play out. Uh, then the producer can start, okay, like, should we build a set in Romania or should we find a, a real location that is similar that we have to augment with uh, with CG? You know, we can, there's a lot of those discussions. Or should we just do everything green screen and build it entirely CG? What's better? Mm. Um, and for the like the lighting conditions or the, the, the daytime, day lighting conditions, that information is basically available in any weather app online. Yeah, uh, yeah you have the sunrise at... Uh, the exact time of that date you're going to be shooting. You hopefully know <laughs> your directions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so north is north. Um, and then you can uh, do a quick pass of how the sun will pass during the day and just have it... Uh, uh, you, you, you can actually know how long the shadows will be and exactly. like everything like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the things you don't decide over is, is it going to be cloudy or if, yeah. if it's going to be rain. But you... you can at least lock down if it's not cloudy or if maybe cloudy is what you want. It's between two and four we're shooting Mm. after that or before that where we're not going to be able to use that location. And then I think another thing that actually separates the processes, because like creating the previous and discussing it, that might be the same for a a CG production, a, a CG trailer production. But when you're doing a the blood and sand scenario mm. where we're discussing, it sounds like an epic movie that you will probably involve at least ten different VFX vendors on. Um, but the previous team needs to be tightly connected to mm. the the production itself. You need to have that communication with the director, and it's going to be the main tool for the for the show's uh, VFX supervisor to communicate with any vendors they bring on. Mm. Uh, like, here's your shots. This is the previous we did for it. Here's your post vis. This is where we want to place it. Well, um, once again, communicating a vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, being on on the receiving end of that, getting that package from a from a feature pr- production, mm. instead of just maybe like a circled frame. Like yeah, here we want to add the demi god <laughs> entering the, <laughs> the 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 pyramids. It's like okay, yeah, pyramids in Rome. <laughs> in Rome, you know, this is this is uh, creative stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Alien pyramids in Rome. Yeah. yeah. Aziz, light. Much better, thank you, ladies. No, but um, it's like previous in in such a scenario is about moving a lot of the costs from post production mm. to pre production, mm. and I mean, saving money because fixing things afterwards always costs more than to plan properly before. Yeah, yeah. I want to be a bit like cautious about saying saving money. Mm. Uh, it could be about 
creating more with the money you have, which is technically saving money. (laughs) But uh, usually when you go into production, you already have a budget. Mm. You're not going to not spend that budget. (laughs) But it might allow the director to add those extra flavor shots that really creates a a masterpiece instead of just a a good movie or an average movie. And that's something we know as well. Like the the whole VFX industry is... uh, it's hard bidding on on projects because you just get a vision and uh, maybe a written description of of what you're needing or a storyboard or a script. Like you're doing your your shot breakdowns and your uh, cost estimate based on that. But if you get a full package from with the previous, then again, you will be safer on on the vendor side. And as an industry, that's what we need to to care for. Like the healthier we are as an industry, the, the better end products are going to be yeah how has the technology evolved and how does the future look for it i think uh, future wise we're going to see more and more uh, previous projects Uh, like we're in this era of big blockbuster movies on Mm. one side and then indie flicks on the other side Um, the amount of titles that are in production is just going to increase we have um, the whole east of the world waking up doing more and more uh, really vfx heavy productions which means the pressure is going to be on the the vfx companies to produce all this Mm -hmm. and if you then can lock down and not iterate too much uh, while you're working on a project then you can make more projects Um, and it's going to be super important for all all the new projects that are being greenlit to really lock down your VFX vendor early on the process uh, and then communicate throughout the process. Mm. Um, on a technical perspective, that's that's always... Uh, <laughs> I Who mean, there's knows? so much happening. Uh, I think last season we, we had a pretty deep uh, tech talk. Yeah. Um, but I mean, AI, the rise of AI, more assets being available uh, cheaper online. So maybe you don't have to even build Coliseum. Maybe you can just buy a Coliseum because someone 3D scanned it or as a hobby project created it and you can just buy it for a, a few dollars or a hundred dollars. Uh, it might not be a, a production ready asset, but it, it, for a previous it would be definitely good enough. And if if you take that that blood and sand example, is it possible today when you do a shot like that, a shoot like that, to at location see how the effect will look when you shoot it, at least a previous version of it? Yeah, looking at um, even what they did for the the first Avatar. There's only one Avatar. (laughs) So so far. Yeah, but there are, what, four or five Uh, others in production? uh, (laughs) Um, a big part of their production was like virtual production. It's mm. it's kind of moving away from previous, but those areas are emerging as well. So uh, James Cameron could ask the the virtual production team, like, no, you need to move that virtual tree because it's mm. now blocking my live action actor. Mm. Uh, so there there's a lot happening in that space, like live comping and. Um, live assets, uh, live streaming of mocap to a much more closer to to high-end asset. Like during GDC this this year, the big thing was uh, all the new render technology that's happening mm. in, in real-time rendering. Real-time VFX, anyway. Yeah, uh, 
um, Epic or uh, yeah, the Unreal Engine, they show the the piece called Reflections, which is uh, like a one minute uh, real time rendered. That's 1080 and 24 frames per second. So it's not like game 60 FPS 4K render, but still, it's basically what we consider movie renders today. Um, or YouTube renders, and they created a, a short piece in the Star Wars universe where two stormtroopers are in an elevator and Phasma shows up, and it's it's a bit of a... I mean, they're showing off the, the tech side of it, but it's all rendered in real time, um, which means you can start changing things in real time. You can iterate with no wait for renders or anything like that. But as you say, now we're moving away from previses in a way. Well, again, I think this can merge. Today, yeah. this is probably what we would call like virtual production, or mm. in this case, it's actually the the production. But if a previs is already at that level, maybe we have final assets. Maybe we uh, we can scan an actor. And the workflow of that has improved so much. You basically have a, a ready asset as you step out of the the scan. And a then you a digital Julius Caesar on yes, this. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we scan you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can play Julius. Yeah, yeah, I think you could pull that off. Caesar, where's Caesar? I want to see him. This is all very exciting, and I'm sure that we'll return to this topic in later episodes really do hope so always a pleasure to have you here like pleasure being here thank you and you out there thanks for listening as usually you can see clips from the films we talked about at our web page goodbyecancerstudios.com next week we'll talk about the highly anticipated game overkills the walking dead from starbreeze or more exactly the character trailers for that game made by goodbye kansas So embrace yourself for some digital zombie slashing. Until next time, goodbye, a bientôt, auf Wiedersehen, wie hörsch!